You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you got your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 12. As you do, man, I'm really thankful for those of you that came out a couple of weeks ago for our 24-hour day of prayer. Man, God did some incredible things. It was really, really cold, uh, but but the the fires kept us warm, and and, uh, we prayed for an entire 24-hour period uh, next door on the property that we plan to purchase. And so uh, we've already begun to see God begin to answer those prayers and uh, just really excited about what God is doing. Obviously, as I mentioned, the bank has approved our loan. So uh, our elders, our staff continue to pray and seek God's timing and will on when this happens and and how this happens. So encouraged by, um, you know, your prayer as well. Um, In fact, today, our architect is actually here today. I don't know where he's sitting, but uh, where are you, Stacy? There he is, all the way in the back, back row Baptist. There you go. Uh, He fits in well. So, He's our architect, glad he brought himself, his family, and his entire team to kind of check out our church today and just experience it. So thankful for them and and for what they're doing, how they're participating and partnering with us on this. So God's doing a lot of great things. And um, as we prepare for this, we've done a lot of testing on the soil next door, a lot of approvals from the city, approvals from TDOT, because we're trying to get a second exit here uh, onto the highway. So a lot of things are happening, takes time, but just continue to pray. Uh, We follow God's direction and, and his lead on this. And um, I, I'll be honest with you, a lot of this series that we're in um, is, is going to determine um, a lot of things, actually, because you know, we've got a lot of new people in our church. We've grown leaps and bounds this year. And um, just be honest, there's a lot of new people here that aren't giving. And so uh, when you've got, you know, this big capacity, this big bucket of how many people you need to serve and minister to, and not all those people are contributing, um, it does create some challenges. And so um, we're praying that God is faithful. We know He is. He's called us out into the water. We're going to trust Him. He's never let us down. He's never going to let us down. Um, and so as we pursue this, we're, we're, we're obviously challenging you uh, who aren't giving to begin giving so that we can pursue this vision. And so uh, part of today is indeed that challenge. Um, we, we just wrapped up Christmas. I know it's hard to believe we're already kind of through it, but uh, Christmas comes, it goes quickly. And when uh, you're like most Americans, you spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of energy on presents and running around. And at the end of the season, you know, you start getting the bills, you know, we're, we're getting bills in the mail, you know, right now it's January. And so, you know, you kind of realize that you overspent. And when you are financially overspent, that leads you to be uh, very emotionally stressed. And when you're emotionally stressed, you're financially strapped, then, you know, it, it, it makes life not very fun. And, and at the end of the day, you just feel spent. You feel spent emotionally because financially you spent it all. And uh, so as Americans, we, we kind of, you know, put ourselves in this conundrum. And, and so God's word teaches us how to do things differently. But, but in this vein, this is where we're at. We, we feel spent. We're emotionally and, and financially spent. But, you know, we, we also understand that, that God owns it all. And that's what we focused on last week, like, that God owns everything. We didn't bring anything into the world. We're not going to take anything with us out of the world. Um, so, so we realize that he is the giver of all things. And so everything that we have belongs to him. He is the owner. And if in fact he is the owner, that makes us a manager. A manager. Some translations, uh, like the King James Version, uses the word steward a lot. 
And a manager, a steward, just is simply somebody who manages the resources of the owner. So we distribute it, we take care of it, we handle it well as a good manager, as a good steward of the person who actually owns it. So, so that's what we spent a lot of time talking about last week. We're, we're managers, but if God owns everything, it also means that we're accountable. Because if the owner has given us these things, then he's going to hold us accountable. So if we're upside down in way too much debt, we've got credit card debt, you know, you know that, that, that's strapping us and, and we're not handling our resources, one day we're going to be held accountable for the manner in, in which we've, we've, we've handled that. And maybe you're not strapped financially, you've got more than enough and you're just kind of doing whatever with it, you're going to be held accountable as well because, you know, more than enough doesn't mean you're good with your resources, um, it just means that you have more. But being held accountable by God means that he's going to, to, to hold us accountable in the way in which we, we deal with that. And so, so we realize that's a, that's, a, that's a major factor as a believer. So we're managers, we're, we're held accountable, and then also we're dependent. Because if, if we're dependent upon him ultimately to give us everything that we need to live and to, to you know, have our life in the, in the manner in which we want it, then we, we realize that we are dependent. But Jesus made the point last week, we're going to be dependent upon money or we're going to be dependent upon God. And he says, you can't do both. You know, you're going to love one and hate the other. And so the idea for us is, are we depending on God for everything financially and in every area of our, our life? And are we giving him glory? Are we giving him honor with what he has given to us? Now, we live in a culture that's very market rich. I mean, advertisements are everywhere. And, and I've, I'm a sucker for a good commercial. Uh, even though I don't like commercials, my wife gets on to me. Like I will turn the station when we're watching a show, you know, when commercials come on and, and then I'll forget to turn, you know, turn it back in time. And she, that frustrates her, but I don't like to watch commercials, but there are some commercials that get me. Like Apple comes out with commercials and it hooks me and I'm like, I gotta have it. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what it does, but I gotta have it. You know, that's just part of my sin nature and kind of what I deal with. But, but marketing is a big thing. It's, mar you know, they market to our kids and they get our kids. And so I'm trying to teach my kids how to handle resources as well. And, and uh, you know, we, we went to the store the other day and, and there was a sale going on. You know, and, and so my girls, I don't know if it's like this innate weakness in, in them. I don't know. But when they see the word sale, they automatically think that means savings. But can we just pause, husbands, in the room and just, let's just take this moment together as men. Sale does not necessarily equal savings, right? Right? Can I get an amen, men? You know? So like, ladies, just because it's on sale doesn't mean you're, you're saving because Maybe you didn't even intend to spend any money when you walked into the store, money of which you really didn't have in the first place, but you see the sale and you feel like you gotta buy it. Now, my daughters, you know, I take my daughters to this store called Claire's. Anybody else go to this, you know, place? It's, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, I just wanna be nice right now, so I'm not gonna say anything. If you're a dad that takes your daughters to Claire's, then you should, somebody should buy you a new suit and crown you the dad of the year because it, it, it's, it's, it's painful. But here's why it's painful. Because everything that they buy, I'm going to find in two months under the couch. That's just where it goes. They, not, not, we use it for a day and then they lose it. Anyway, <clears throat> so we're in the store. They had a gift card and they're buying stuff. You know, I had my two youngest. And, and so sale, big red, you know, big red, you know, in, 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 in the big letters, sale. And so my daughter had just enough to buy one of the items on the list that she wanted. But if you buy one, then you get the second one half off. Yeah. Sale, right? Going to save you money. Wrong, 
right? It's just going to cost us more money, you know, in the long run. So, so she's like, oh, daddy, I love this. I want to get this. But I only have enough money for one. But daddy, look, there's a sale. And if I buy this one, then maybe, maybe you could buy the second one. But it's half off. You know, it's funny. It's funny when we see the word sale, how greed takes over our heart, you know? Greedy, selfish little girls is what I'm dealing with, right? But dads can be greedy too, right? And so here's how I manipulate as she's manipulating me. Well, give daddy a big kiss, right? Daddy the best daddy in the world, yep. Give daddy a hug, all right, I'll buy it, you know? You got me, all right? So we're all manipulating each other. It's a really healthy family, but it's a sale, right? And, 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 sales, and, and sales do something to us. It makes us greedy, right? Greed does something in our heart. It does something in our life that makes us make really bad decisions. It's like the one guy who called his wife. He won the lottery. So he calls his wife. He says, honey, I won the lottery. We're, I'm rich. This is amazing. I won. I won. She said, oh, yeah. He said, pack your clothes. She said, my winter clothes or my summer clothes? And he said, all of them. I want you out of the house, you know. Get out of here. Greed makes us do some terrible things. In this story today, Jesus is approached by a man who's greedy. And he pinpoints the greed, and then he tells a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus tells that has a point. And so he tells the parable, and, and, and he points to the greed in this man's heart. And he warns us of, of, of coveting and of being greedy and of hoarding our own money and what to do with it. So let's take a look. Chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And the man said to him, I'm sorry, and Jesus said to him, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Let's just pause there. So here's this man's debut. You know, little did he know he was going to make it into the Bible. But here's his debut. He gets to have a conversation with the Son of God. And the conversation uh, is about the situation in his family. Now, now, if you've ever gone through this, if, you know, if a parent or grandparent dies and leaves an inheritance or leaves some money or possessions or whatever, and, and then like the kids of the family or whoever gets it, you know, they begin to fight o- over the money and who gets what and how it's going to work and there's lawsuits and, and it gets kind of ugly and that's what's happening with this guy and his brother. And so there's, there's some kind of tension, there's some kind of argument going on, but this one shot that Jesus has, this is the issue he brings to him. And, and, and why is this wrong? Well, it's wrong because his question comes out of his greedy, coveting heart. He wants more wealth than his brother is going to get. He's worried that his brother is going to get more than him. And so the question is, Jesus, help me get more money. Wrong question to ask Jesus. So Jesus points to his greed. He points to his coveting. Coveting is when we have this love for possessions. we got to have it. You know, we, we can't live without it. And so we'll go in debt to get it. You know, we'll spend money we don't have in order to have these things. And so we accumulate this stuff and it's out of a greedy heart. It's out of a coveting heart. And God says, Jesus says here, guard your heart. We are in a culture that covets constantly. We don't, you know, we call it marketing, but it's really, you know, how to make us covet. That's really everything that marketers try to do today. Every ad, every magazine that has an ad, every TV show that has commercials, you watch these things and it's all 
in an attempt to make you feel discontented. I don't have that, and I need that, so I must buy that, you know? It's just something, they're really good at it too. We didn't know we needed it, but now we need it. And now I'm willing to swipe my credit card, even though I don't have money to get it, to get it. I mean, this is a coveting and greedy culture that we live in. And this goal of advertising to make us discontented leads us to all kinds of really, really bad decisions. In fact, did you know that coveting is actually a sin? Being greedy is a sin. It's actually, coveting is actually one of the Ten Commandments. So kind of a biggie, right? Right? Do not covet. And, and, and so when you covet, you know, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's stuff, when you're watching a commercial and you covet whatever the marketers are telling you you need, this is sin. We got to deal with this sin. It comes out of a greedy heart. And that's why technology, you know, is changing so fast. They, they come out with a new whatever as fast as they can. Why? Because they know we're greedy and they know we'll buy it. All they have to do is present it in a way that looks better than the last one and we'll get it. We'll upgrade. We'll go for it. Doesn't matter if we're in debt. That's why styles change so much. You know this? It's like back in the 90s, I used to tight roll my jeans. Anybody else do that back in the 90s? Tight roll. Man, we looked good back then, by the way. But you know, it went out of style really fast and then you were tight rolling and nobody else was and you were like, oh man, I gotta quit. And then, and then like fast forward 20 years, now they're selling jeans and they're selling clothes with the built-in elastic. And you're looking around thinking, man, that's awesome, you know? And so like now you're going to go and you're going to buy more stuff. Why? That's why styles change constantly because they know we got to change it, make them feel discontented. They're going to have to come buy our stuff. They're really smart. The question is, are we smart? Are we going to live our life out of a greedy, coveting heart? Are we going to uh, wrap our minds in, 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 in our, our ideas and our our, our solutions to these issues in our heart with buying more stuff or we're going to follow God's principles. When I'm in Haiti, I realize, uh, or when I'm in the DR or when I went to Africa this past year, I realize that I have more than enough. I have all I need. I look around, I see what's going on, and I'm like, man, I have all I need. And then I go to Westtown Mall and I realize, bro, I need some more stuff, you know? I, could, I can get off the plane and go right to the mall and go from I have all I need to I need more stuff in like a minute. It's a, it doesn't even take us that long to switch gears in that way. And so there's something going on in here, right? It's a heart issue. And we've got to focus and, and, and learn what Jesus is teaching us here. You see, this man is, 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 is he's coveting. He's wanting more than what he, what he has. And, and Jesus pinpoints his heart in this place and in this time. Look, look at the screen here. We've got 1 Timothy 6 coming up. Here's what 1 Timothy 6 says. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. That means a trap. Into many senseless, that means stupid, and harmful, that means dangerous, desires. So if you have a desire to be rich, you have a desire to have a raise, you want more money. Potentially, you have this heart issue that says you need more, you have to get more, and you want more, and you, and you want to accumulate more wealth. And when you do that, you're, you're, you're potentially setting yourself up for failure because the desire to have more wealth leads us to make really dumb decisions, senseless decisions. It also leads us to make really harmful decisions. He says these harmful, senseless, dumb decisions plunge people into ruin and destruction. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money, uh, money, money's not bad. It's not wrong to be wealthy. Matter of fact, many of the guys in the Bible 
and, and ladies in the Bible were wealthy. They were rich, you know. I'm looking at a room full of, of rich people compared to the world, right? So it's not wrong to be, you know, rich. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's when we have this coveting, greedy heart that says we got to have more. I, got, I, I need more. And, and, and everything that I get is for me. And so as we do that, we fall into this trap. We make dumb decisions. And then the last statement here, it says through this craving. And it is a craving, isn't it? It's like we crave more and more and more. We're hungry for the next greatest whatever. And so this craving, he says, has led some to wander away from the faith and it's pierced themselves with many pains. So it's not that, okay, this person has accepted Christ, received the grace of, of God, and then decided that they are gonna leave that. They, we can't lose our salvation. What he's saying here is there are seekers in the room right now who are checking out God. You're wondering, is God real? You know, is this whole finance stewardship thing, you know, legit? You know, or is this, what is going on? Is Jesus real? Is the cross real? You're a seeker. But then as you're seeking, you realize that, man, I need to make more money and I really want to do this and I don't want to go God's way. I want to do my thing. And then as you have that love for money, it leads you away from continuing to seek out the Lord's will for your life. And that's the danger. That's the snare. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Strange Inheritance. Um, I watched it a few times. And in fact, there are some strange people in the world. Um, I was watching one the other day. And this, this guy, he was a farmer. Um, he left to his kids over 100 tractors. Tractors. He had so many tractors, he had to build bigger barns. Like he was building these massive barns and he just stored these tractors, right? And of course he had the time in the day to fix them and run them and make, make sure they're, they're good. Well, guess what? When you die and you leave tractors to your family, what in the world are they going to do with them? They don't have the time or the energy to take care of those things. So what are they going to do? They're going to sell those things, right? So, and that's what they did. They sold them and guess what they get for them? A fraction of what they're worth. You know, that drives me insane. If my dad leaves me 100 tractors, I'm going to be ticked off, you know? He better sell those things and start giving me the money now, you know, if we're going to have, you know, that's selfish. But <laughs> seriously, think about what you're going to leave. That's not a wise, that's not a wise decision. They're going to get less than what, 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 what it's worth, and they're not going to keep it. But in our story, in the next story here, Jesus points to the uh, same mentality, a guy that builds bigger barns for all the stuff that he has. You know, a lot of times those things that we have, all these possessions, just we, we find that it just adds headaches to our life. If you have, you know, vacation property, you've got big boy toys here, then you got to spend, you know, energy and money taking care of those properties, taking care of all these issues. And as you take care of all this stuff, you realize that, man, I'm putting so much time and energy in all this stuff. It's, I can't even hardly enjoy it because I got so much stuff and I don't even get to do it anymore. It's like me and Pastor Greg, one time we went camping in the Smokies and we went on a, a backpacking trip. This is a long time ago. We were rookies as it relates to backpacking in the Smokies. And so we, we, we got our backpacks and we loaded those suckers down like with all kinds of cool stuff, all kinds of camping trinkets. And like, you know, we were going to, you know, eat like kings when we got up there. So we had all kinds of food. We had reading material. We had, you know, hammock. We had, we had everything you can imagine. We had over 50 pounds in gear, you know, and we, we put that on our back and we hiked out of Fontana uh, into the Smokies. If you know anything about the Smokies, that is an incredibly difficult hike. It's straight up a hill. You climb serious elevation. We hiked for about 10 miles that day. 
we were zapped by the end of it. We were, we were done. We got to the campsite, and at the campsite, you know, we thought, hey, we're going to eat like kings. We're going to do this. We're going to have fun here. We bought these big knives just in case you want to kill a bear or whatever. I don't know what we're going to do with these massive knives. But we got all this stuff. We get there, and like as soon as we get there, we lay down in our sleeping bags. And I kid you not, it's like 10 seconds. I'm like, man, that was an incredibly hard hike, man. What do you think, Greg? Greg's knocked out. 10 seconds. We, we took all that stuff, got to the campsite. We didn't even hardly eat anything. We just ate like a, a, a quick snack. We didn't get to enjoy the stuff we took. We didn't enjoy our time together because we were so worn out from lugging all that gear. And, and we didn't even get to enjoy it. Man, I think about that and I think, how much is that like life in general? We try to accumulate and get all this stuff and have all this you know, stuff we think is going to be fun. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's just taxing. We thought it was going to bring us joy, but at the end of the day, man, it, it just overwhelms us and we got to do this and this and it keeps us from doing stuff that we really want to do. And ultimately, we don't enjoy it. We don't get to, to, to have the fun that we thought it was going to bring us. Because more stuff doesn't equal more happiness. And so for you and I, truly this story tells us an, an, an incredibly important principle that I want us to focus on today. And, and that is this. All you have is not all for you. All I have is not all for me. And all you have is not all for you. Let's take a look at the parable that Jesus tells us. He goes into the story in verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will big larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, what a powerful story. Here the man has more than he needs. He has more stuff than he knows what to do with it. He has so much stuff, he has to tear down his barns and to build bigger barns. Now, now, by standards at this time, when you had goods, when you had crops like this, you were rich. You were considered wealthy. So this man is considered wealthy. And notice that Jesus doesn't say wealth is a bad thing. He doesn't criticize this man for having more than enough. What he criticizes him for, what he calls him a fool for, is thinking that everything that God gave to him was for his own consumption. He thought, oh, I got all this stuff. I can build bigger barns and I can eat. I can drink. I can be merry. I can chill out. I got everything that I need. He thought that everything that God gave him was for himself. He was selfish. He was greedy. And Jesus says, he's a fool. He's an idiot. <laughs> your very life may be required of you today. He says, I can take your life now. And then who's going to get all that stuff? No, Uncle Sam's going to take a big fat portion of it, right? You know, congratulations. He says, you're a fool. You see, for us, we've got to wrap our minds around the idea that everything that we have is not just for our own consumption. He says, so it is. You're a fool, he says, if you lay up treasure for yourself and you're not rich toward God. See, at the end of the day, if you, you and I, we're rich if God has blessed us with more than we need. 
If God has blessed us with, with more than we need, then we're rich. You know, sometimes we don't think we're rich and, and we look around and we compare ourselves to our neighbors and to other people and we think, man, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I'm rich. And this guy, I mean, he probably, I don't know if he thought he was rich or not, but, but at the end of the day, he had more than he needed. And he asked himself, what am I gonna do with all this extra stuff? And some of you got extra stuff. There's, there's this idea that, you know, you know, I've got all of this stuff. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. And, and we still don't feel rich. But when we compare ourselves to the world, if you make at least $30,000, you're in the top 1% of the world as far as wealth. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible to think that just $30,000 means that I'm in the top 1% of wage earners. If you make $80,000 or more, you're in the top 0.1%. You know what, you're wealthy, I would even say that you are rich if you have a room dedicated to house your car. If you've got a garage, man, you're rich. Most people don't have a room dedicated just for a vehicle. If you walk into a room dedicated just for your clothes, you're rich. You realize that? Walk into a walk-in closet, like, I don't know what to wear. I got all these clothes. I got nothing to wear. I need more stuff, right? We're rich. If you eat more than you need, you're rich. If your kids whine about what's for lunch, you're rich. Kids in Haiti aren't whining about what's for lunch, are they? Whatever they get, it's good with me. If you've got so much leftover that you have to buy appliances like a garbage disposal to eat up all your leftovers, you're rich. You get that? You, You realize that if you have more than what you need, you're rich. And so we fall into this category of having more than we need. But what do we do? We have more than we need, but more than we need is not enough. Visa, MasterCard, I need more stuff. And so not only is what God giving me enough, now I've got to borrow from other people so that I can have even more stuff. This is bad stewardship. All you have is not all for yourself. Verse 21, he says, laying up treasures for yourself is foolish. The, the, the reverse side of that is laying up treasures for ourselves in eternity. How do we do that? Well, he says, be rich toward God. So again, being rich is great, but he transforms the definition of what rich actually is. He says, I want you to be rich toward God. So how are we rich toward God? A few quick points here. To be rich toward God means that we are rich in good deeds. Good deeds don't save us, but we're saved to do good works, Right? And so, so are we rich in good deeds? Are we serving? Are we ministering to people? Are we loving on people? Are we involved in the body of church, of the body of Christ? And so are we rich in good deeds? Are we rich relationally? Jesus called us to love one another. Are the relational components of the scripture, are we involved relationally with the people of God? And we're building and encouraging others. Are we rich toward God in that relationship? And then obviously, finally, it's rich with, in our generosity. So it's in this idea of, of giving. Am I, am I Am I, am I giving financially to God's kingdom? Am I, am I rich in that way? He says, this is the way that you're rich toward God. In fact, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 19 tell us exactly that. He says this, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Powerful statement. You know, he, he instructs us who are rich. We just went through a list of things that, that pretty much we all fall in that category, you know, if we have these things. So, so, so as we think through, who, you know, okay, we're rich. He says don't be conceited because wealth brings a lot of conceit, doesn't it? It brings a lot of conceit. 
A lot of ego. And then he says, don't fix it. Don't fix your hope on your riches. Why? Because riches are uncertain. You could lose them tomorrow. They'll be gone tomorrow. Your very life could, 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 could be required today. He says, they're uncertain, so don't fix your hope on that. Instead, fix your hope on God. And then he says, God richly supplies us with everything that, that, that we have so that we can enjoy it. So God is a supplier. God is supplying us uh, with everything that we need richly. And then he says, instruct them to do good works. So God supplies richly, and then we do good works. That's how it ought to work. But unfortunately, God provides richly, and we do whatever's good for us. He says, do good works. And he says, be generous, ready to share. Some of you can't share because you've created no margin in your life. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You see a need. You can't help with the need. You're not giving financially to God's kingdom because you've got no margin. Everything you've got is going to, you know, bad financial mistakes. This is not good. This is not wise stewardship. How can we change? This is, this is important. He says, I want you to be generous and ready to share. I want you to uh, store up for yourselves treasures of a good foundation, he says, for the future. Not future retirement. Not like, hey, we're going to the Poconos, we're going to retire future. He's like, no, future eternity. I want you to invest in eternity by being rich in good works, by being generous and ready to share. And and by doing that, you're storing up riches in heaven so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Man, that's the the icing on the cake. You want life? You want true life? You're not living true life right now because you're spent, you're stressed. If you want life, you wrap your financial situation around the principles of God and then you can begin to experience true life. So you've got to be generous. You've got to have these good works, and, and you're preparing this future in advance as you do so. There's a great book by Andy Stanley called How to Be Rich. It's in the cafe. It's a great book on this. One of his quotes in the book says, every day someone is telling us, uh, every, every day somebody is telling us all how to get rich, but no one tells us how to act rich once we are. You know, the idea there is so true. Get rich, get rich. Here's how to get rich. But nobody is teaching us how to act rich, and, and, and except for God's word. And so, listen, 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 I get it. Some of you are like, dude, I do not have much extra stuff. I know in Haiti I'm considered rich, but I live in America, dude, <laughs> and I am not. Like, I have a paycheck. It, it takes care of my house. We buy some food, but that's basically it. We're not living a lavish lifestyle. I get all that. I get all that. Next Sunday, I'm going to dive into some to some very strategic planning financially for you from God's word that I think will help you understand how to get out of debt and how to honor God with whatever he's given to you and be able to prepare for your future and honor him with what he's given to you. So don't miss next Sunday. I think it literally will transform your life financially. Um, But there is another group of people in the room that have extra, right? They have more than enough. And they're like trying to get creative with what to do with it. And so maybe you've built bigger barns, you've bought bigger toys, and I'm just telling you, Jesus says, it's foolish. It's foolish. You see, there's a lot of problems with being rich. You ever thought about that? We all want to be rich. We never think about all the problems that it causes if if we actually become in our standards, whatever your standard of rich is, um, we never really think about the problems. There's a couple of problems I want to mention. The first problem is is when we're rich is, is that it's more difficult to depend on God. 
You think about that? It's more difficult to depend on God when you're rich. It's obvious, right? Because we've got so much wealth, you know, we, we tend to rely on our bank account and our wealth more so than God. We don't really need God because we can pay for our bills. We don't really need God because we're having fun and we've bought all this stuff and all this stuff kind of keeps us busy. So, so we're not as interested in God. You know, Jesus makes his point here. It's easier, you know, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to heaven. And so the idea there is, you know, wealth can, 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 can really keep us from depending on God. Secondly, the, one of the second problems with being rich is that it's more distracting from true priorities. When you think about it, when you have a lot of wealth, it's very distracting. It might be fun distracting. I get that. I don't know what it feels like, but it could be fun distracting. We got this trip. We got to do this. We're buying this toy. We're going here. We're doing that. And as you do all those things, then what inevitably happens is that you begin to prioritize all of these other things apart from what's truly important. You know, what, what truly matters in your life. We fall in love with money so quickly, we begin to focus more of our time and our energy trying to get it instead of what really matters. Um, think about it like this. When your kids were, were toddlers, maybe you've got a toddler and they're just learning how to walk. You know, they want to walk. They're desperate to walk, you know, so they're trying all the time and they want to hold your hand, don't they? So, so they want to hold your hand. They don't want to let go of your hand and they want to walk all day. I remember, you know, my... My son, when he was a toddler, he just, he just wanted to do it all day. He never got tired of it. And so here we go, on a walk, you know, holding my hand. But inevitably, one day, he figured it out. And when he figured it out, he let go of my hand. And guess what? He didn't meet, need me anymore. Matter of fact, he would look at me and say, I do it myself, right? Don't touch me. I got this. And so off he would go, and, and you know, he would want to be independent and do his thing. And that's the life of a toddler, right? our life as we grow up too like we we get so much you know financially maybe we're holding God's hand through you know through the the downtime when we were first married we didn't have any money you know some things happen we get a little wealthy and all of a sudden we let go of God's hand and we can do it ourselves. God don't need you anymore and so wealth can bring a lot of problems but there's also some positive things to wealth there's a couple positive things I want to mention first of all if you have more than enough financially then the first thing I want to share with you is that God has trusted you with a greater responsibility. And that's pretty cool. I mean, when you think, when you think about it in those terms, like you have more than enough financially. So, so that means God has entrusted to you more responsibility. I don't know why he did that. You know, I don't know why or how. You look at some people and you think, man, why is God doing that? He should be doing that. I'm a better guy than that guy. I should be getting that. Look, I don't, I'm not answering that question today. I'm saying if you've got more than enough, God has given you a greater responsibility because with greater wealth means greater responsibility. And so that is a very cool thing. God, God is trusting you. It means God also wants to test you with that. So it's like a test. Like here, I'm gonna give them all this and see what they do with it. And, and I want them to learn how to really trust me with it. The second thing that I think is really awesome about wealth is that it, it gives us the potential uh, to make a greater impact for the kingdom of God. Think about the potential. If you have more than enough, you've got to build, you know, your first thought is, man, I need to build bigger barns. But then you think, well, wait a minute. God's given me more, more responsibility here. Instead of building a bigger barn, maybe God has given me this not for my consumption, but to benefit others. I'm not going to assume that every raise I get means that I can go get a bigger or better house or a bigger or better car. Like when God blesses me with more, he's given me more responsibility. He's given me the potential to make a greater impact. So I wanna be wise with the resources that God has given me because I know I'm a manager, I know I'm accountable. 
and I know I'm depending on something. It's either money or God. And so as I think in those terms, then I can begin to think, okay, well, if I bless God's kingdom with these resources, then here's what that means. That means a greater impact. That means potentially we get to hire more staff. More staff means more people to lead volunteers. More volunteers means more people in ministry. More people in ministry means more disciples made. That's a good thing. More money means that we can start our second campus. More money means we can buy property and build an auditorium, give this to our kids. That means more people are able to come to our church, more empty seats, more people know Jesus, greater impact, right? Uh, It means we can plant churches, ultimately what we want to do. Start campuses, plant churches. Why? Bigger impact. See, we have a lot of potential in this room. I don't know how much, only God knows, but I believe very, very steadfastly that there are folks in this room who aren't using the potential that God's given to them. I know this because our church has grown leaps and bounds this year, but our budget hasn't grown that much. So there's a large group of people in this room that aren't giving. And so just think of the potential that we have in just this room. I'm not even counting the first service and the second service. Let's just think about ourselves here. If the people in this room got out of the habit of taking everything that they have and using it for themselves, and instead they became a wise steward and began to give back to God's kingdom, think of the impact that we could have as a church. Now, I say this and realize God doesn't need this from you. God's going to build his church right here. God's going to build his kingdom in Maryville and in this world. God is going to reach people for the gospel in this city, right? He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need Foothills Church. But he's inviting us to an incredible journey where we get to bless others and God in turn blesses us. When I was a kid, one of my, one of my fondest memories was when we lived in Cincinnati. My parents decided to kind of live out in the country a little bit. And so he, dad bought this little farm. It wasn't like a farm, but it was like three or four acres. And, and he decided to buy a cow, and he named that cow Supper. By the way, you probably heard me talk about this. But before we actually brought the cow, we had to build a fence. And so one day we got outside. It was a spring day. It was warm outside, and Dad called me out, and me and my brother and my dad, we went out to build this fence, right? And so Dad would hold the post. He gave me a hammer and some nails, and, and I hammered in some nails, and, and uh, we started to build a fence. It was an incredible day. My mom took a picture that day. It's one of my favorite pictures. When I look at it, it's me and my dad. I'm smiling. It's a great day. I look back at that, and I think, man, that was a good day. That was good stuff. But Dad didn't need me to build that fence, <laughs> Matter of fact, I probably frustrated him in the process. He didn't, meet, he didn't need my time. He didn't need my talent because I didn't have very much, especially in that area. <laughs> you know, I was eight years old. He didn't need my skills. He didn't need every, anything from me to accomplish what he needed to accomplish that day. But what he did was invite me to build a relationship with him. He wanted to grow that relationship with me. He wanted to teach me a few things. And he did, you know, taught me how to work. Taught me how not to cuss when you hit your finger, you know, with the hammer, you know. He taught me things to the situation. And in the same way, like, God does not need me here at Foothills. God doesn't need you. He's not after your money, right? But he's inviting us to an incredible journey where we actually make a difference in other people's lives. Don't you want to do that? I mean, if you're a follower of Christ, like, you, that's got to be in your heart somewhere, 
If it's not in your heart somewhere, then you really need to check your salvation at all. But if Christ is in your heart, like there's gotta be a point to where you really wanna make a difference. And by handling our resources in an appropriate way, it doesn't matter how much, how little, it's all about the percentage. It's all about have we truly given our heart to Christ? Are we, have we truly made him the Lord of our life in every area? And the reality is there are some people in the room that have way more than they need and God isn't in control of your finances. Would you bow your heads and, and pray with me today? Listen, as we close, I just want you to ponder. I want you to ponder on this thought. Like, is the Lord Jesus Christ truly the Lord of your life today? Is he truly in charge of your finances? I mean, that is a great question to ask. And, and, and as we reflect upon this, we want to ask God some, some important questions here. And I realize that when we give, uh, when we begin to give more, it's a scary situation. Like, are we really going to trust God with this? Is he really going to come through on his promises? And the answer is yes. He's never let us down. He calls us out on the water and he has never let you down. And he never will let you down. And today, my challenge is for some of you in the room that have not given God control of your finances. And maybe today, from last week to this week, you're beginning to catch that vision. And you're like, you know what? He's not the Lord of, of, of my finances, but today I'm making that decision. Like, I wanna give him complete control. I don't know what that means. It's scary, but I know I need to make this decision. I know I need to step forward in this. I don't know if my spouse is with me. I don't know what the number's gonna be. All I know is I need God to be in control of my finances. And if that's you today, nobody's looking around. I just wonder if you would just show God by raising your hand and putting it back down like, this is me. Anybody? All over the room put it up, slip it down. Praise God. It's all over. Yeah, lots of needs. Like this is where God is calling us. And I know that as we are faithful in this church, God will bless. I've asked the band to come and sing a song for us. And I'm, I just want you guys to like sit and enjoy this and reflect. After I pray, the ushers are going to come forward and and they're going to give us an opportunity to respond to this message by giving back. And so we want to be found faithful. This is your opportunity. We want to trust God. We want to follow Him in this area of our life. And we want to do so with His strength and in His power. So let's ask Him for it. Let's pray. Father, we come to You. We feel overwhelmed. Many times financially, we feel like giving up, but God, we trust you. We trust you with our finances, so we're gonna be faithful in what we know to do today, and that is to give and to be generous. Lord, we do not wanna be foolish with our money. Help us to make the right decisions. Help us to make the right changes. Lord, for those that lifted up their hands, I pray, God, that you'll bless them, that they'll, they'll experience you in a fresh and powerful way. God, that they would... They would experience you and your blessings like never before. Lord, use this to grow us. I know your spirit challenges us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.